0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll start. Father, it is good to be in your house today, and Lord, I pray that you would bless this time that we have together. I pray that you would use me to be a help to your people, God, that this message would uh, speak to us how you would desire it to, and that we would take it to heart in the days to come. I pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I'd like to invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. As you're finding your place there, I'm going to say this and then we'll move into the thoughts. But this morning's message is probably, it could probably be viewed as a very practical sermon, which I would hope that all sermons are practical and helpful. But this one may seem a little bit more practical or maybe a little bit more uh, down to where we live on a daily basis. And so I hope that this will be a help to us. I trust that it will be. But I'd like to begin this morning by talking about something that we all would understand to be true. I don't think any of us would argue this. I want us to think about this truth that every week in our country, somewhere, someone has filed a lawsuit against someone else. It may be an individual versus another individual. It could be an individual versus a corporation. It could be one corporation versus another corporation, but every week, somewhere, someone files a lawsuit against someone else. That in mind, I know that you understand this as well, is that when a person has been sued, when a lawsuit has been filed, the one who has been filed against now becomes the defendant in that case. So whatever the accusations are, the one who has now been sued, they have to defend themselves and say that what the person who has sued them is saying, the defendant has to say that they are not telling the truth, that the accusations are not accurate, and then they have to prove that they are innocent. They have to make their case that they are not what they have been portrayed to be. So whatever the desired outcome is, whatever the desired results may be, the defendant is trying to make their case that what's been said about them is not accurate. We also understand this to be true that sometimes a lawsuit could be filed by a complete stranger. It could be filed by someone that the person knows somewhat well, maybe an acquaintance of sorts, but it could even be filed by someone who knows them very well. The accusation or the charge could come from someone who is, who is very close to them. It doesn't matter where the accusation comes from. Again, the defendant still has to defend themselves. So as we keep that in mind, this morning I want us to think about this letter that Paul has written to the believers of Corinth. I know that some of you may be saying, didn't we just finish up this study of Corinthians on Wednesday nights a few weeks ago? To that I would say yes, but I would also remind us that we skipped a large portion of Scripture intentionally, and this is a part of that portion that we skipped. And so this morning I want us to just begin looking at a few verses that Paul wrote to the believers there in Corinth, keeping in mind that the church in Corinth was under a spiritual attack. Part of the spiritual attack that they were under was this, is that false prophets had crept into the church and were stirring up problems and were stirring up issues. And so this morning as we look in Second Corinthians chapter 11, I want us to begin looking in verse number 7. We're going to look at several verses this morning. We're just going to do so kind of quickly, and then try to make some application from this. So, notice there in verse number seven, what Paul said. He asked a question: Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that ye might be exa- that ye might be exalted, because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely? So the question is this, is have I committed some kind of an offense or have I committed some kind of a sin in my action of abasing myself or humbling myself so that ye might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely? See, here's what Paul knew, and here's what Paul was extremely aware of, that as a preacher of the gospel, he deserved some kind of a financial compensation for his service. This was not because Paul was greedy. This is not because Paul was in it for the money. But he understood that if he ministered unto them spiritual things, that there should be some kind of a carnal or some kind of a material uh, 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 reward for what he was doing. And so he was asking them, Have I sinned against you in coming to you and preaching the gospel of God freely? He goes on to say in verse number 8, I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service." Now, Paul is not suggesting that he literally robbed from others, but what he is saying is this, is that he lived off of the generosity of others, sometimes those who were not even really, humanly speaking, capable of affording the financial help that they gave him. But he said, rather than to charge you, and rather than to be some kind of an expense on you, he said, I took wages from others so that I could do you a service. In verse number 9, he said this, And when I was present with you, when I was in your presence and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia, supplied. And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself." What is Paul saying? He is just saying this, is that when I was with you, like anyone else, I had needs come up in my life. I had wants, I had issues that needed to be addressed, but before I would come to you with any of those needs, before I would come to you with any of those wants, here is what happened. He said, the brethren that came from Macedonia, they are the ones who supplied those needs. So we see a pattern here, right? Paul is asking, have I committed some kind of an offense? Have I sinned against you because I've been willing to preach the gospel of God freely? He says, is that what the problem is? He said, I took from others so that I might minister to you. And and when there were needs, I didn't begin to burden you because I, I simply chose not to do so. As you continue reading down through the chapter, you read in verses 22 down through 30, some of the qualifications that Paul had for being in the ministry, some of the things that he had experienced that, that that showed his dedication and his loyalty to the ministry that God had called him to. But as you look in chapter 12, I want us to look in verse number 12. Again, just very quickly, I want us to see this. He said, truly, the signs of an apostle were wrought, among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So in verse number 12, he says this, that in him, in his ministry, they saw genuine, authentic ministry. Paul had apostolic authority in their day, and as they witnessed his ministry there in Corinth, they witnessed a genuine approach to the ministry of the gospel. So if you look now in verse number 13 and 14 of chapter 12, he says, For what is it wherein ye were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you? With a tone of sarcasm, he says after that question, Forgive me this wrong. Think about this. He says, Wherein were ye inferior to other churches? How did I treat you different except that I myself refused to be a burden to you? This is the only way I have treated you different is that I did not charge any of you for my services. Again, the sarcasm noted, sorry guys, Maybe it would have been a little bit better if I had charged you. Maybe it would have been a little bit better if I had expected some kind of financial compensation for my services. I apologize, people, that I didn't do this. But he says in verse number 14, he says, Behold the third time, I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you. For I seek not yours, but you, for the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. So some of us will understand this from our study on Wednesday nights, that Paul had every intention of returning to the city of Corinth to be with the people, to address some of the issues that were still there. And in verse number 14, he is saying this, that whenever he comes, he has no intentions of being a burden to them again. So whenever Paul has been there in the past, he refused to take any financial compensation from them. When the needs were there, whenever they arose in his life, he refused to bring those needs to them. And he says, whenever I come to you the third time, I refuse once more to be a financial burden to you. He said, I'm not trying to get from you from, from a financial perspective. He said, I'm more worried about who you are as believers. And then if you look down in verse number 17, Paul said this. He said, did I make gain of you by any of them who I sent unto you? What had Paul done in the past? He had written letters to the church of Corinth, Right. He had sent those letters by way of messengers like Titus. And and what Paul is asking them is, Did I make a gain of you by any of them who I sent unto you? Whenever I sent these messengers with the letters, did they come not only with the letter that I had sent, but with some kind of an appeal for financial compensation? The answer was obviously no. If If you look there in verse number 18, he said this, I desired Titus and with him I sent a brother did Titus make a gain of you did did Titus reap from you some financial compensation well the answer to that would have been no he said walked we not in the same spirit walked we not in the same steps he's saying, did not Titus and the others who came with him, did they not handle themselves in the exact same way in which I've handled myself? Did did they try to make gain off of you? Did they try to reap from you this financial reward? Again, the answer was no. So if we look in chapter 11, if we follow the thoughts down through chapter 12, here is what we see repeatedly Paul is addressing the subject, the fact that he never received from them financial compensation, and he says to them that what they saw in him was genuine, authentic, apostolic authority. Paul says, what you saw in me was a genuine effort to preach the gospel of God. I was not in this for the money. I was not in this for what I could get out of it. He said, the only thing I care about as it relates to your church is you, the people who make up the church. And he says, whenever Titus was sent... I didn't try to get money from you through him, and neither did Titus, because we are of the same spirit. So here's Paul going through all of this extensively. Now as that is so, answer this question in your mind. In all the other letters that we have written by Paul, Of all the other history we have of Paul's interaction with believers in other churches and other ministries, do we ever see Paul writing and spending any time on whether or not he was compensated by the church that he was ministering to? The answer is, it doesn't come up very often at all. And it certainly does not come up with the same level of attention as is seen in the letter, the second letter to the church of Corinth. So it begs this question. Why would Paul spend so much time reminding the believers of Corinth that he accepted no financial gifts or compensation from them? There is only one reason that you would spend this much time on a subject like Paul has. And that is this, is that accusations were brought against the Apostle Paul and his integrity and his character as to how he handled himself with the believers there in Corinth. I want us to see this, though it was not a legal filing, though it was not a a legal lawsuit, here is what had been leveled against Paul by way of a charge, by way of an accusation, that Paul, you have simply been in the ministry for what you could gain from it. Paul, you have simply ministered to us for the reasons of what you could get out of this There was a charge being brought against the Apostle Paul that his ministry was less than authentic, that his character was less than above board, and that he was a man who lacked some integrity. There is no other reason for Paul to defend himself as extensively as he did if charges had not been brought against his character. Over and over and over he says, I'm not in this for the money. I'm in this for what I could do for you. On my third visit, I'll not be chargeable to you just like I wasn't on my first two. Because it's not about the money. Now here is Paul Again, defending his integrity, his reputation, and his character in the ministry. You know what made it easier for him to defend his character and his integrity and his reputation? The fact that he was careful with his integrity and his reputation and his character made it easier for him to defend himself against the accusations that were brought against him. If Paul had been careless with his character, if Paul had been careless with his reputation, if Paul had been careless with his integrity, when the accusations came against those things, It would have been next to impossible for him to defend himself saying these things are not so. Where did the accusations come from? They came from some people who had never met Paul. But they also came from people obviously who had been infected or affected by that attitude. They came from some people that Paul no doubt met and knew and had a relationship with, but he still had to defend himself because of the accusations. Now this morning, if we can just think about that for a couple of moments, I'd like us to think about this truth. That the gospel of Christ is under attack. I want us to think about this. I think you understand this. I think you believe this. I trust you know this to be true, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is under attack. And those who would identify themselves as servants of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they too are under attack. Let's let's, let's hear this, okay? If you identify yourself as a child of God, you've got to know something. You've got a target on your back. The world is against you and the entire system of this world is against you. Okay, so the the, 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 the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of, of the scripture, it is under attack and you and I... As God's children, we are subject to the attacks of this world at any time, from anyone, any place. To try to illustrate this, understand please, That anyone that you work beside has the freedom to launch an accusation against you at any time in relation to your spiritual life. Anyone that you live beside, anyone who is in your family, anyone who comes into contact with you, they have the ability to, in a sense, file a lawsuit against you and your Christianity and your testimony of being a child of God. This was not just something that Paul had to deal with. This is not just something that other preachers have had to deal with. This is something that is true of every professed child of God that anyone can bring any accusation against us at any time about anything they choose. The accusation could be something like this. That person is not a nice person. I mean, that's a simple accusation, right? They could say something like this. I have worked beside that person for the last three years. I've worked beside them for the last five years. I've worked beside them for the last 10 years. And and, and here's what I would say of them. They are not a nice person. Well, at that point, what do you have to do? Well, if it becomes intense enough, at some point you've got to defend yourself, right? Right. The accusation could be something like this. It's not that they're not a nice person, but man, they are not a very patient person. If you want to see them get upset, just see some things not go their way. And pretty soon they'll be as upset and riled up and as flustered as anyone could be. They have no patience for, for people or for situations not going right. That's an accusation that can certainly be thrown out, right? There could be this accusation thrown out. That person is a gossip. They always know everything that's going on. If you want to know what the scoop is, ask them. It doesn't matter that they're a Christian. They always know what's going on. They're a gossip. That's a legitimate accusation that's brought against people sometimes, right? It could be an accusation like this. They're a liar. They're a liar. They don't tell the truth. They could say something like this. I've stood there and I've watched them and I've listened to them just lie. They just said things that absolutely were not true. So the accusations could be they're not a kind person. The accusations could be they're impatient. They're a gossip. They're dishonest. Man, they're rude. That is one rude individual. That could be the accusation. The accusation could be this. They're lazy. Well, you can't make that person do anything. They're only going to do the least amount that is required of them. You can't depend on them because they are so lazy. That's an accusation, right? It is. Well, they got an attitude. they just got a rebellious attitude, a rebellious spirit about them. You know, I've just seen it in this person that they have got a rebellious attitude and a rebellious spirit. They don't want anyone telling them what to do. Now, I could go on with the possible accusations. You understand that. But I want us to think about this. Those are serious accusations and allegations that can be brought up against a Christian because that is not things or those are not things that should be said of believers. It should not be said that we are unkind, that we are impatient, that we are gossips, that we are dishonest, that we are rude, that we are lazy, that we are rebellious or a host of other things. Those things should not be said of us, and we should see the gravity and the seriousness of those accusations. And so I want us to think about this, that if those things are ever said about us, we need to be able to defend ourselves. We need to be able to say, those things that you're saying about me, they are not true. And we need to be able to say, here's a reason why it's not true, and here's a reason why it's not true. And we need to be able to defend ourselves against those accusations. It is important that we be able to defend ourselves. So you know what makes it easier to defend ourselves when the accusations come? is if we have been careful with our Christian testimony in front of those we come into contact with. It is much harder for people to believe of us that we're unkind if we make every effort we can be, or that we can to be kind. But if we're careless with that, We'll not be kind, and then when the accusations come, we'll not be able to defend ourselves against the one who has leveled the accusation against us. We've got to be careful with our testimony, because if someone says, you're a gossip, we need to be able to say to them, uh, you're going to have to prove this, because you've never heard that kind of stuff come from these lips. But if we're the one who's constantly talking, if we're the ones who have constantly got the information, if we're the ones who are constantly in the know and we're sharing it with others, it's a whole lot harder to prove we're not a gossip when that accusation comes. If we're careless, we'll not be able to defend ourselves if we're careless with our integrity, if we're careless with our character and our reputation, and we think, oh, well, one little lie isn't going to hurt, and and one little lie isn't going to mess things up, friends, that could be the very thing that makes everyone else believe that you really are a liar. You don't have to have an attitude of rebellion very many times for people to believe that you really are a person of a rebellious spirit. We've got to guard against that. We've got to be careful so as not to, to give credibility to the accusations that would come against us. We don't have to be rude very many times for people to start believing it. And so if we're not careful, it can happen. And, and the same is true about laziness. All we've got to do is be lazy a few times. If we're careless in that, it's going to be a reputation that can stick with us that we can never get away from and, and, and prove that it's not so. I'm just saying the best way to defend those types of accusations is to live in such a way that they carry no weight by the rest of the people who know us. But if we are careless in how we handle ourselves, the accusations can come, and it'll be nearly impossible for us to defend ourselves. Now, this morning, we may sit here and we may say something like this. Well, Brother Kyle, I don't know anybody who's going after me right now. I, I don't know of anybody who's, who's got this, this agenda against me. I, I don't know anybody with this vendetta against me. Yeah, you, you may not right now. But it's kind of like the person who gets served papers that they weren't expecting where did this come from? I never saw this coming. I I wouldn't have assumed that this was about to happen in my life. I'm just saying this. You may not know of anybody who's got an ax to grind with you right now, But I'm just saying the statements could be made against you as early as this afternoon or sometime this week. And then all of a sudden, here's what you'll find. You'll find yourself in the defensive mode. And if you have not lived with some integrity, if you have not lived with some character, it will be impossible for you to defend yourself. You may say, "Well, well, Brother Kyle, I mean, that's what I do. I am careful, I live with integrity, I live with character, that is who I am. That's what all of us would like to think, right? But I think this is more true of most of us than we'd care to admit. That a lot of times we're not near as careful as we'd like to think we are. We think one little mishap here, one little blow-up here, one little statement here, one little story here. We think that there is a measure of innocence associated with that. We don't see it as that big of a deal. But truth be told, many of us are not near as careful with our reputation and our, and our testimony as we should be. We need to think about how I speak to others that I work with. My attitude, my countenance, what I say, what I don't say. The people that we live with, like within the walls of our own home. We need to be careful how we're living because it could be them who brings the accusation against us. Family? Yes. Immediate family? You better believe it. They know us better than anyone else. And if we want to be able to defend ourselves, we better be careful even within our own home. We have no idea where the accusations could come from. I'm not suggesting we have to defend every little statement that is made against us. But there does come a point when we have to defend ourselves from time to time and it's a whole lot easier when we have lived in such a way that can't really be proven that we're as sorry as somebody else has made us out to be. But all we've got to do is give just a few people enough evidence and we'll have a hard time ever overcoming that reputation be careful because the accusations can and most likely will come and we need to be able to say it's not true here are the facts here is the evidence and you know that what you're saying is not right be careful because it can happen to any of us let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer Fathers, we come to you this morning. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be people who are very careful about our reputation, about our testimony. Lord, I know it is easy to stand here this morning and to say, well, I'm so careful. I just, I know that I am. And we may be amazed to know what people really think about us based on what we've said or based on what we've done. I ask, Lord, that you'd help us to just give this some thought and to be willing to address what may need to be addressed so that the accusations could not stick when presented by someone who desires to attack. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.